The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. Coming to you from our offices at Cincinnati. Hello to our YouTube friends. Appreciate everybody that's been watching on YouTube. And appreciate the millions and millions that have been downloading this thing now that we've moved to Podcast One. I think that's helped a little bit. we got a new listener, Sam. And I hope everybody's enjoying the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nearly another week of football over, Steve. In fact, it is another week of football over. We're starting into the next week, Thursday night football. We're here. So last week, you guys heard me, predicted Thursday night football. Baker Mayfield going to save the Browns. We, we did it ahead of time. We recorded before Thursday night football. We're doing that again. So that's going to be our thing. I don't know if I could duplicate last week's perfect prediction, but uh, I guess we'll have to try. So what happened tonight? So what happened tonight? Uh, the Rams killed Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I can see that. They hurt him. Maybe he missed a play or two. Okay. Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue against that Vikings interior. They got after him. I think it was a sloppy game on the short week. Sloppy game. Both sides. Got a little ugly, but uh, the Rams pull it off. Okay. Low scoring? Um, it starts out low scoring, and then it just gets hectic. It just goes. It just goes batty. Get, gets away from the Vikings. It gets on. batty in the second half. Okay. Yeah. How's that sound? So sounds like it was a good game for everybody to watch. Always. Every Thursday night game is going to be good. We're going to talk them up. Okay. Do you have a thing? Are you going to predict two or is it all on me? Well, you're one and zero. I'm going to let you roll. Oh, see, I would rather just retire yeah, with, no. with what I did. No, no, no. We're going to we're going to see how this plays out. If you actually can predict the future or not. Yeah, we'll see. Because that would be useful if you can. I mean, it would be. You know, we could do some things with that. I feel like our podcast would take off even more. We would leave podcast one and just go off on our own. We don't need anybody anymore. Steve's going to predict the future. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I would think our public-facing side would be less important than what we can do on the back end with, you know, gambling and whatnot. Yeah. But it's a good point. Whatever. Anyway, um, so we did want to start off with uh, this guy right here, Baker Mayfield. He's on the big screen behind us on the YouTube because, yes, not only did I predict he would save the Browns last week, but he went out there and, of course, made PFF look good. Anytime Baker looks good, he's making us look good as well. And, uh, you know, what, do you, what did you make of his debut? Because, again, I kind of expected 
him to do that. I just had these expectations he was going to go in and make this great comeback against the Jets. What were what were your feels as this was going on? Yeah, I mean the first few uh, the, the opening of any player in in a new season, even in the first year, it's always just reinforcing kind of what you thought, right? You, you always look for the thing that backs up your take, and if it's not there, you kind of ignore that one and move on to the one that does. So it's really easy to look at Baker Mayfield's debut and say it's exactly what we thought. It's what the guy we saw all the way through the draft process. He looks great. He's accurate. All this stuff isn't PFF fantastic. And obviously we know it's a small sample size, and um, you know we'll see how it progresses as, as his career unfolds. But he does have the look of a quarterback that is going to be very good. Yeah. You know, we, we saw it with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that, okay, he's come a little bit down to earth as this season has progressed before he went down injured, which brought him all the way down to earth. Um, but it just looked different, right? When they, they had C.J. Beathard, who was, what, a third-round pick, and a guy who didn't wasn't playing terribly for a rookie and a guy who had no business starting. You were kind of like, oh, I mean, you know. Okay, they're losing, but he's not horrendous. Right. And then Jimmy G comes in, the whole thing just looks completely different. That's what Baker Mayfield did. You know, Tyrod Taylor had been playing terribly. Baker Mayfield comes in, and it just immediately transforms everything. Like, it, they look different immediately. You and I, one throw in, we're like, oh, he's definitely making this comeback. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is, is. happening. Um, and it wasn't like a joking thing. It was, oh, this is just, this has changed. This is right. different now. Um, so, yeah, I think. You know, we, we have had fantastic confidence in Baker Mayfield all the way along because of his college tape, because it was so good. Um, and that's why we said he was the number one overall pick in this draft right from the get-go. So, obviously, this confirms that, right? But, you know, we still have to see. So, it's his first road game. That's something different. He's going to be playing at the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders at 0-3 yeah. uh, before the season. I thought they'd be a little bit better than, than you thought. And uh, they've had a couple close games, though, so mm-hmm. they're close. So I still don't know that they're 0-3 bad, but pass rush is one of the worst in the NFL. If only they could find a pass rusher. They're hard to find, Steve. They are. Arden Keys leading the team with six pressures, five QB hits, one hurry. Doesn't even have a good pass rush grade at 60.7. So they're not getting after the quarterback. Looks like Baker should have some clean pockets to throw to throw from. And then offensively, we've seen some ups and downs with Derek Carr. But again, I still think this team should be a little bit better than just 0-3. On 91 total pass rushes, Khalil Mack almost has as many total pressures as the Raiders, period, from 420, I think, combined pass rushes that the defenders has. That's what we need to tally up over here. Yeah. Even if it's pressure percentage, so so it can be every Raiders pressures on a per-play basis versus Khalil Mack by himself on oh, a per-play basis. definitely beating the Raiders. That's what in, we need to have tallied in, up here. In Matt. pressure percentage. But he's almost beating them in total pressures, no, period, I know. Despite, I know. despite playing you know a fraction. Uh, so matchup-wise, I do want to see what the rookie Colton Miller does against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett rushing off the edge yeah. against Colton Miller, who's been pretty good pass protection. Had a good game last week against Miami, 74.5 pass blocking grade. And uh, he graded well for us in college, but we saw a lot of technical question marks and things that said, look, this might be a tough transition for him. So far, he's been uh, pretty good in pass protection, not so good in the run game. Yeah, and Miles Garrett has the ability to make that a big mismatch in Cleveland's favor. I mean, I think it's kind of crazy because the Browns are the Browns, and they're only half a game away from being the Browns. The only thing that's different is Tyrod Taylor. 
But a lot like that Jimmy Garoppolo thing again, it just changes what this team is. And suddenly, I like I I think the Cleveland Browns are going to win this game, despite the fact they're traveling cross country to the Raiders. You know, a year ago, or with the Browns in their the situation they were before Mayfield came in, there was no way you would think that. So I also took the Browns, and so here's what I think the result is using your Jimmy G example. We're going to be sitting here a few weeks from now and talking about all the talent that's on Cleveland's yeah. roster. Instead of saying, instead of me making excuses, they're better than they look, and oh, it's sixteen and everything. It's going to be like, oh wow, Baker's thrown to Antonio Callaway, who's emerged. He, you know, they've got an offensive line who's protected. <laughs> they're throwing to Rashard Higgins, the next Isaac Bruce. I'm sorry, maybe this is it. This Higgins. is what I said. I told you before the season, did I not? This is what's going to happen. Mayfield comes in. Higgins goes twelve for one eighty. This Mayfield week. and Higgins were were the connection on the second team. When Higgins comes in, or when Mayfield comes in, that's when Higgins is going to break out. He's finally got a legitimate quarterback throwing in the ball. It's going to be Rashad Higgins emerging as the next wide receiver. In Baker's throwing to Higgins and Callaway. Okay. And Njoku. Oh, wow, he's got weapons. Hey, the offensive line's protecting him better. And then, hey, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year candidate, and Larry Ogunjobi's breaking out, and Joe Schobert's making plays. People are going to start noticing the talent, I think, on the Browns' defense because they're going to start winning some games. And Denzel Ward oh, and still Denzel making Ward. them look smart for taking the corner. In the defensive rookie of the year conversation. So we're taking the Browns. Let's look at the, what the rest of PFF is doing here. Do we have anybody taking Oakland? We have yep. Neil taking Oakland. Neil went rogue this week. He's got all kinds of lone wolf picks in uh, this particular one. Judging by our Twitter mentions, I think this is the game people were referring to. Some people asked if Neil's ever watched football, and then other people said Neil's a genius. Well, so he picked Buffalo over Green Bay. Oh, that might have been the only person doing that. That could have been what that was all about. That would make him look like a genius if that came off. All right, let's get into a segment that we've tried these last couple weeks. The what are we doing? Mismatch of the week. Yeah, mismatch of the week. I can't read sometimes. Biggest mismatch of the the biggest mismatch of the week. We saved this to the end uh, in previous pods, but let's get into it. Right now, Sam, what do you have as the biggest mismatch that people are going to be able to watch this week? Well, this past week, J.J. Watt was back, all the way back. Um, and J.J. Watt all the way back is maybe the best defensive player in the game. Uh, he's going up against Joe Haig, who we've said before is one of the biggest problems on the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt against Joe Haig just screams, oh, no, no. <laughs> Like, I mean, I, no, 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 no. That's going to go bad. I think I'm going I'm going with one of the reasons why J.J. Watt was back, and it was the fact that he went up against Chad Wheeler last week. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I'm going with Chad Wheeler, who now has to go up against Cameron Jordan of the Saints. So, yeah. You can't hide your right tackles in the NFL. You just can't. Not when they suck, no. So they bench Eric Flowers. Chad Wheeler comes in last week as a 40 overall grade he was bad enough that they were legitimately putting Rhett Ellison the tight end on J.J. Watt one-on-one as a better option than leaving him one-on-one with Chad Wheeler yeah yeah gave up five pressures on 35 pass blocking snaps three of which were sacks so I'm going to say Cameron Jordan who I still I still say is one of the more underrated players in the NFL okay around you know your more average fan we've been touting for a few years I think that's my biggest mismatch of the week so check it out Saints Giants on that offensive line. Uh, getting into one of the other big games of the week, would you ever have thought the 3-0 and Miami Dolphins going to New England, who's 1-2? and Do you ever think it would get to this point? Week four in the season, we've got this extremely pivotal, pivotal AFC East matchup. 
It yeah, it's so it's it's really big because the Patriots find themselves in a really deep hole if they lose. Like it's not huge, yeah. it's not critical right now, but it's about to be if this doesn't if they don't win this game. So that's what makes it a real problem. The um the forecast guys, the analytics brains of this whole building, um who do they have as a slightly better chance of winning the division right now? It's very slight. They've got the Dolphins, right? At this point, taking those three I mean because they do have a two-game lead on New England and uh the way they explained it to me, I mean it's it's not New England's favored this weekend, mm-hmm. right? They're still more likely to win, but it doesn't mean that there's no chance that Miami wins, of course. We yeah. just saw New England lose to the Lions. So if Miami can pull the upset, like you said, then they're so far ahead. And then even if New England does turn it around, there's just in so, such too big of a hole. It's a really interesting game because the Patriots looked horrendous against the Lions. Um, and the Lions, I don't think, are good. So like the Patriots looked terrible against not a great team. Uh, I don't think Miami are a great team either, despite being 3-0. and We did a whole segment on Sports Illustrated earlier this week about how, okay, they're 3-0, and but look at who they've played and look at all the problems on this team. And there are some issues. The offensive line has been okay, but they, they're they vulnerable in certain areas. You know, Ryan Tannehill has been playing really well, but he's, you know, still Ryan Tannehill. Like, he's an average quarterback that may be having a good run at the moment. He's got a passer rating over 121, so yeah. that we just know is going to come down. Exactly. But that shows a little bit of the coaching and the playmakers it that does. they've added. Um, but overall, I think this team is not a great one. It's a team that's been able to overcome three games right now against competition that is not fantastic. Um, and, of course, you have that added dynamic of Josh Gordon potentially playing, which has the potential to change a lot about what's going on in New England, which is... There's no playmakers anywhere. It's Rob Gronkowski, and if you do what the Lions did and legitimately double-team Rob Gronkowski, where are they going with the ball? Right. Um, Gordon comes in, that could change entirely, even if he's only able to run two things, right? Yeah. Even if you just send him out every single play, say all you're doing is running a go or a slant. Um, like that, that will change things because he will get open on those plays. Then the added dynamic of Josh Gordon against Xavier Howard makes for fascinating watching because – We've talked before, Xavier Howard is a boom or bust corner. I'll discuss him in a minute. At the moment, he's on the boom end of things. He's playing extremely well, but that's not to say that this next week he won't go in the tank and you know get eaten alive by Josh Gordon. So His stats are fascinating. We'll there's a lot those. of layers to this Patriots-Dolphins game, all of which kind of lead you into this idea that the Patriots actually need to win this. Yes, they definitely do. Um, they're one week away from getting Julian Edelman back, which I think changes the offense far more than Josh Gordon. Yeah probably will but there's there is this chance that josh gordon does add that dynamic where you at least have to account for him he can beat one-on-one coverage it got worse for new england this week though because Jawan bentley the guy that's been playing better than anybody on that defense probably besides trey flowers the rookie linebacker he's on injured reserve and then rex burkhead the guy that they were trying to feed as their number one back early in the season both from a receiving and from a rushing standpoint he's on injured reserve and burkhead was doing some nice things in the past game so now, when you don't have receivers that can get open, like Brady has right now, you either have Gronk or you have the running backs who can get open against linebackers. Burkhead had do- been doing a nice job in the pass game. James White does a nice job in the pass game. Sony Michelle's not doing anything. You know, they're feeding him the ball, and he's just been on different pages with Brady and dropping passes and just, you know, an okay runner. So, th- I mean, they're losing even more playmakers on both sides of the ball. I think that was. This has been Tom Brady's slowest start since the 2014 season. The 2014 season. year, yeah. Um, and I think that might have been his lowest graded game 
since that Kansas City since game. Since the Kansas City game, yep. And then that Kansas City game was the moment that was the turned around. That was the on to Cincinnati game. Yeah, the on to Cincinnati game. Yep. And then the since, from that point on, it was a series of dark green or blue PFF grades for like seven straight weeks. He He's, went from being awful, written off, to really good. He's been, if you just take PFF grades from that week through now – by far the highest graded yes. quarterback in the NFL. Not even close but between it, him and Rodgers and Breeze and everyone else. But in particular, it was immediately. It was that game onto Cincinnati. The right. Cincinnati game onwards marked a run of half a dozen straight games where he was basically elite. It was really funny, though, because last week we were saying that was supposed to be the onto Cincinnati game, right? So last the Detroit game was not what people expected. No. It was not what people expected. Credit the Lions. Um People are trying to compare it to, is it the Kansas City loss, whatever. There was a loss that the Patriots had, and this is how good they've been. You can kind of like pull out a few bad losses in their entire yeah. 20 years here. 2010, they lost to the Cleveland Browns. I saw Greg Bedard mention this one, and it made a lot of sense. That game was an undermatched, overmatched Cleveland Browns team that just had everything go right and trick plays, and everything worked out well, and they just dominated the Patriots. They went on a stretch after that in 2010, too, where they played extremely well. So it, this would be the week. Like, they... Kind of need to do it at home against Miami. If they don't, though, yeah, then the concerns start. I'm not concerned yet if you're a Patriots fan, but if it doesn't happen this week with Miami, division game, then you're concerned. I mean, yeah, if it doesn't happen this week, it's now a major like obstacle to overcome. You actually need to do something pretty special over the rest of the season to overcome. Or they, you need to do something pretty special, or the Dolphins need to do something pretty special in terms of the reverse yeah. to swing that. So I still I'm just not a believer in the Dolphins roster in general. Keeping no. this up, they still look like a nine and seven team at best if all the you know things fall into place and they're off to a good start with that. Um, they also lose William Hayes now because he's trying to not kill quarterbacks, which apparently you know you blow your ACL out when that happens. Yeah. So who you got in this one? Uh, the Patriots. Okay, I think everybody took the Patriots. Is that yeah. right? Okay, so everybody's taking New England, which brings us to our Dalton coaster of the week. I'm going to start just because. We already mentioned the guy's name, Xavier Howard. Mm-hmm. He is the epitome of a Dalton coaster. His stats this year, fascinating. He's given up five catches on 15 targets. That's outstanding yep. for, oh, I lost the number, five for 151 yards. That's not so outstanding. That's, that's 30 per catch. You know, his coverage grade still lands at a, a solid 70, but we've been saying for a while, one week he's Richard Sherman, that's what he was last week, making those, you know, contested catch interceptions and all that stuff two picks last week two pass breakups he has games where he looks like the best corner in the league Mm -hmm. and he has games like in week two where he was a 51.6 week one he was a 61.1 and looking at pff coverage grades so you don't know what you're going to get from Xavier in any given week yeah and that's why i think it's he if he ends up covering josh gordon a lot i think it's a really interesting matchup because he's one of the few guys that does have the size speed and physicality to be able to go up with him one-on-one which could go one of two ways, right? You could either take him out of the game completely or you could end up with two of those 50-yard catches in the game and everything yep. goes the Patriots' way. And last so, year he took out Brandon Cooks. Yeah. He was picking Brady off too. So the the game in Miami where Brady struggled, Xavier Howard was outstanding. That would be a Baylor-on-Baylor matchup if it's him versus Gordon. Mm. Who you got? Who's your Dalton coaster? Again, the Dalton coaster is the guy that's really high one week, really low the next week. Joe Flacco. This may be the single greatest coaster season that i've ever seen through three weeks um his pff grades through three weeks 87 week one 39 week two 90 week three it just it just coincides with being home or away 
I mean, that is a hell of a swing. That up is and impressive. Down. So if things go to plan or things stick to the, the coaster, this week we'll be down in the 30s somewhere. And we were there for that grade in the 30s. Therefore, that just, that just, we have to weigh that so much higher because I saw it in person. Ah, it's so much more important when you see it in person. Okay. Is that right? That's how scouts do it, Sam. Sure. I was there for his bad games, so the good games don't count. Okay. Well, he's due another bad game is what I'm saying. They're also on the road. Yeah, there you go. So, and against Pittsburgh. So you're expecting, yeah, right. on the road game. against Pittsburgh, so we're expecting him to drop off. All right, quick break to tell you about our friends over at Simply Safe. Sam, you were just installing this thing, right? Yeah, I installed the thing last night. Um, we got sent a box of all kinds of goodies, um, which I attempted to install last night. Turns out it's actually really easy because it's all, you don't have to like, so you were concerned, right? Do you need to be handy to install I'm this? not handy. I'm not good at building or putting things together yes. or anything of that sort. That was the text you sent me. And I said, no, because it's all, it's all tape, right? The stuff is, it's got kind of double-sided tape at the back of it. So you just pull the, the cover thing off and stick it to the wall where you want it to be. Um, I, I did point out that you might still struggle because that's how bad you are, but for regular people, it's our average simple. listeners, it's pretty simple. I would think, yeah, the average listener will be fine. You, maybe not. Okay, so I'm in the process of eliminating my old security system, replacing it with Simply Safe. Shout out to them, and I'll report back on how easy it was. I'm assuming it's going to be pretty easy. It looked, it looks easy, simple, yeah, it really simple was. installation, and then just a whole lot of cool perks with this thing. Yeah, and a whole lot of cool stuff. Like there's a you know fancy security camera that works at night. You can like, if I had my phone on me right now, which I can't have because we'll send this entire electrical equipment haywire. Yeah. But if I had it right now, I could show you my front door from from the app. Oh, that's amazing! Right. So I love it. So Simply Safe, it's ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If it's a storm taking out your power, Simply Safe is ready. Intruder cuts your phone line. Simply Safe is ready. Say you even destroy your keypad or siren. Simply Sta- Simply Safe will simply get you a new one. Mm. They'll give you the help that you need. It might be overkill, but no. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst-case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security so great. It is always ready, and it's not a lot of money. They only charge you what's fair. 24-7 professional security monitoring is just $14.99 a month, Sam. No contracts, no hidden fees, and I'm in. Like I'm recommending Simply Safe to everybody I know, especially if you go to simplysafe.com slash PFF today. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF to protect your home and family today. That's where you get your special deal, simplysafe.com slash PFF. Here's what I like about them, right? Most security systems will get you like idiot burglar proof, you know, the terrible burglar that just wants to smash their way through your thing. Yeah. But like you can't, this will make you like criminal mastermind proof because when they, you know, cut your power phone, this is like Hollywood criminal (laughs) deal, right? When the Hollywood criminal cuts your power and your phone lines and comes in under the cover of darkness, most people are screwed. You're, you, you're still fine. That thing is blaring away, sending the cops on them. They have really thought of everything. And I lo- we were on the phone with them the other day, and you said, my security system right now is a baseball bat. And they said, we hear that all the time. Let it, we can be a little bit better than your baseball bat. So right now, if you have just a baseball bat as your home security system, get to simplysafe.com slash PFF. Get in with Simply Safe today. All right, we got a couple other uh, games we want to go a little bit more in depth on. We'll get into every game at some point. Uh, Jets, Jaguars, we want to talk a little bit about quarterback play, Sam Darnold, and Deshaun Watson. Okay, so we'll start with Sam Darnold. 
where you've got this rookie going up against the Jags defense. This is going to be tough. Sam Darnold taking a bit of a step back these last couple weeks. Yeah, what's interesting is his overall PFF grade has gone down every single week. He started off reasonably well. Was And even then we were saying, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. It wasn't amazing. Yeah, it right. It was a pretty good start, right? So he's gone from that pretty good start to okay and to ooh, all right. So that's a little bit concerning. Okay, yes. he's, you know, the youngest rookie starter ever or whatever all these numbers are. So we're not saying write the guy off or anything. But he's gone down every single week, and now he rolls into the Jags defense, which obviously is a buzzsaw. So could be a rough night for Sam Darnold. Yeah, the Jags defense, uh, they make everything difficult. Where are they now in our coverage grades? A little bit lower than expected. Are they lower than expected here? Where did they go? Lower than expected. What's the overall defense right now? Just just sorting by PFF elite. Bear with Steve while he uh, number twelve that. defense. I still think they're, but they came in one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah. So we're expecting that to turn around a little bit. That back seven does make it quite difficult for anybody, especially a rookie like Sam Darnold. They can still rush the passer. Uh, we saw that against New England a few weeks ago. Jags are in a weird spot. I'm still looking at Bortles in this game. Because last week you said that he was bad. Hmm. He was bad last week. Yeah. But he was good two weeks ago. Yeah. But that's been my point. What was your point? I mean, it lands at average. <laughs> he's an average to below average quarterback, right? He's not bad. Yeah, he's uh, we're not going to build this up again. He's got a 74.1 PFF grade, which is still solid right now on the season. But you just don't know what you're going to get from him every week. They scored nine, uh, six points last week. They lost. Yeah. Six points. Against the Titans. Yeah. Titans are sneaky good. They're be- they're better than you think too. Oh, I think God. you think everybody's bad. No, I really don't. That's what I think. That's what it comes across like. No, only bad things. I like a lot of good things. What are you expecting from Darnold here? I'm expecting Darnold to have a pretty rough day. Like that defensive front should chew the Jets' offensive line up pretty pretty significantly. They don't have the horses to go deep enough to back them off. The Jags can cover deep down the field. It's going to be all this short underneath stuff. The Jags will be able to defend those bubble screens much more effectively than their fast linebackers. Well, fast linebackers and people are sticking to the correct assignments when they start moving those receivers in and out of bunch formations. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know how the Jets move the ball effectively. Uh, you've got Yannick Ngakwe and Malik Jackson tied for the team lead with nine pressures apiece in Jacksonville. Calais Campbell has eight. Dante Fowler and Lorente McRae both have six. So, I mean, and Fowler's only played 35 snaps. I mean, you're talking about just, a, again, a very deep defensive line getting after the quarterback. Uh, so, Darnold has struggled a little bit in recent weeks. Where's his grade at right now? It's not good. I'm surfing. I'm surfing as I do this right now. Yeah, this is great radio. Is it good? Oh, yeah. Watch me. Feel me typing through uh, PFF Elite right here. Sam Darnold, number... Well, it's 32 if I don't filter. Let me just filter it real quick. This is great. This is much better. When I filter the grades, now Donald's at 30th Mm. PFF grades right now. That's even better than when Mike used to just read lists of things. It is better. It is better, Mm. I think. Now, where's Deshaun Watson on this list? Because that's the next guy we've got to talk about. Oh, do you have a pick in this game? Is everybody taking Jacksonville? Uh, Yeah. They have to be, right? Yeah, everybody's taking Jacksonville. Everybody's taking Jacksonville. To win this game. Now, the other interesting story is Deshaun Watson. And he's number 11 in PFF grading right now, despite a passer rating of only 89.8, Sam. That passer rating ranks 
19th. So why the discrepancy? Why is he number 11 in PFF grade, number 19 in QB rating? Because, you know, the opposite is happening of last year. Last year he didn't grade as well. The stats were great because people saved him or whatever, but coming into the season we said that supporting cast is just not good enough this year. That's why the Texans are 0-3. Yeah, he's had some pl- some passes that were dropped. He's been playing under pressure basically the entire time. Um, he's playing, it's kind of what we said rolling into the season, that he may be playing better than last season. Obviously, the numbers were going to regress because they were absurd. But more importantly, it, it may not matter if the offensive line and everything around him is so bad. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing. They have a quarterback that can pass the ball. They don't have a secondary that can stop the pass, and they don't have an offensive line that can protect the quarterback, protect the passing game. So they're bad in two of the three most important areas that you can have. What do you think about him going up against this Colts defense? Uh, we've got um, our guy, Eric Eager, running through all of the defensive scheme numbers. I don't know if you saw these yet, but essentially he's plotting them into quadrants, mm-hmm. right? So you could say, okay, all the cover one teams, like just from a scheme standpoint, you just kind of put them in the same bucket. He's got the Colts in their own special quadrant, meaning they just it's just based off style, has nothing to do with success. So they're in their own special quadrant of like cover two team. Yeah. They're just playing a whole different brand of football like it's 2002. So at the moment, what the Colts seem to be doing is essentially creating this preseason vanilla defense because they don't think they have the talent on defense to play anything else. Yeah. And they just want to want to create this defensive system that's at least um, it asks the very least possible of its talent and kind of schematically tries to take away the worst plays and then just hope that the offense is inept enough that it'll smash itself against the rocks, essentially, right. while, it, while it moves its way down the field. And it's kind of working. Like, it's not a good defense, but it's way better than it should be, given the talent that they're putting out there. So it's kind of fascinating seeing how it's, how, seeing how it's going to go up against this Houston offense because outside of Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins and Will Fuller to an extent, like it's not a good Houston offense either. So they're going to look a lot better rushing the passer because they're going up against maybe the worst offensive line in the game. Um, and they're probably going to frustrate Deshaun Watson into making a mistake or two because that's kind of what that defense is set up to do. It, like it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to watch. Most teams are trying to go the other way and trying to scheme more and more uh, sophisticated and clever systems, the Colts are basically just rolling out there and saying, okay, let's, what's the easiest thing we could possibly ask 11 guys to do? And uh, Let's just hope you're not good enough to pick it to pieces. It is, it is fascinating because we have, we have the coverage numbers. They're playing cover two, you know, your classic old school, two high zone, 34% of the time. The next closest team is Cleveland at 26%. So they're 8% more just cover two. And then just all of your two high looks, cover two, cover four, cover six they're all kind of in a similar family they're different schemes but similar family they're almost 60 percent of their coverages are two high looks even with a guy like Malik Hooker who we said was like the perfect single high safety they're not even playing that scheme but he made a nice play last week as a cover two you know rangy safety broke up a pass from Carson Wentz so it is interesting because they're not a they're not a talented team they don't have a ton of big names you have guys like Marcus Hunt playing well and all that stuff but they're finding a way to just you know stay in these games and keep them close i don't know if that bubble bursts you know at some point the houston offensive line has allowed 55 total pressures through three weeks that is insane what's that pace um did you work that that pace out out right right now now Now, this is where i distract people okay now you got it is 293 
total pressures over a season. What were they at last? They were like 270 last year? 253. So they would be 40 more than last year, which is the most we've ever seen. Man. Last year was the most we've ever seen. So 40 more than the worst we've ever seen. And if the Colts keep playing the way they are, rushing for, you know, playing back seven coverage and they can still get pressure, that could be tough. Yeah. I mean, that is is a ludicrous number of pressures. It's absolutely insane. Um, For example, right, for some context – the Tennessee Titans have allowed 10 pressures this season. The Los Angeles Rams, the best offensive line in the game right now, have allowed 11. So five times. They're at 55? Yes. Yeah, five times more than the Rams have allowed through three games. All right. So let's get to the picks. Uh, we have a lot of Indy here. I see you with Indy. I'm the only one taking Houston. I do think that they turn it around a little bit here. And I do think that maybe Indianapolis not having great pass rushers will help that offensive line in the 55 pressures. No, <laughs> 293 pressure pace. The Colts are going to get some pressure. The Colts are going to get pressure. So I'm taking Houston. You're taking Indianapolis. Let's get to the captain, though. What does the captain have to say about this game? Well, let's go. Let's do two, right? Let's come out of come out of the defeat and uh, and move into this week. So what do we got here, dearest mother? There is little time to dwell on our recent defeat. We shall move onward. There's not a moment to spare as Texans are marching towards our home camp. Mm, watch out. Scouts report their sergeant major is so brawny, he's named after a unit of power. I must be vigilant. Andrew. That leads us into, Dearest Mother, I have received your care package of pickled prairie dogs and possum cakes. The unit has reached home camp. We prepare for the soldiers out of Houston and their clown, who is intimidating, not at all funny. Many have learned that that difference the hard way. Andrew. Try not to laugh on air. Yeah. I think you can laugh along. Prairie dog cakes? Prairie dog it? cakes. Yeah. And, oh, no. Possum cakes possum and pickled cakes. prairie dog. Pickled prairie dog. Somebody needs to concoct some of these recipes that he's put together. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like a good idea. No? No. I'm full of bad as ideas. As long as you don't do it in the office kitchen. I mean, I'm rooting for the captain, if not just because the tweets are spectacular. The tweets are spectacular. All right, man. Let's. Uh, we want to hit every game like we've been. And then we'll hit on some biggest mismatches and marquee matchups of the week. So let's roll through the rest of the slate, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tennessee Titans. We're going rapid fire here. Give me one thing you're looking for here. The Eagles defensive front. It is still dominant. It's got the second best win percentage in terms of pass rush of any defensive front in the game. It's got the second most total pressure, 73 of any defensive front in the game. They are still one of the big reasons this team is still a Super Bowl contender despite you know, a relatively slow start. The Titans are one of those teams right now that I think plays, play this ugly brand of football where the defense is a little better than people give them credit for because they play in ugly games and you just write them off. So I think I, w- I just want to see what their unit is going to do against Carson Wentz and that pass game. Titans right now, number seven in our defense grades, number eight as a coverage unit. So I want to see them against, Watts, uh, against Wentz in the pass game. From a coverage standpoint, top player at Dory Jackson, 73.5. So... Let's see it, because I do think with the Dory Jackson, with Malcolm Butler, they have a chance to make things difficult on the back end for teams this season, and they're great and well so far. Yeah, but at some point they're going to need to score on offense. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to say Mariota. I want to watch Mariota, but he does need to figure it out. We can now feel his hand again. That's going to help. It should help. It might not, though. Uh, We all have Philadelphia winning this game. Next game, Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. Sam, what are we looking at? 
Offensive line for Detroit. It's been really good. It's, ne- it's now snuck into the top five of PFF's offensive line rankings. This is PFF that hates the Detroit Lions. We do. They test them. Their offensive line is now number five. Um, Rick Wagner has been playing really well. He's allowed just four total pressures in three games, but he now goes up against Demarcus Lawrence, who has notched 17 total pressures in three games. So that's going to be, you know, an immovable object versus an irresistible force kind of deal. I'm yeah. kind of curious to see how that goes. That should be a good one. And if, if the Lions hadn't shut down Brady in the past game, I'd say, okay, this is easy. The Lions don't cover very well on the back end. The Cowboys can't pass the ball, and their playmakers are terrible. But I ended up looking at the same thing you're looking at. Can the Lions keep up their style? They spent all offseason saying, we got to run the ball, we got to run the ball. They did it last week. Was it just because the Patriots had this terrible defensive front? Or did they really get you know the best of Frank Ragnow? He was moving people yeah. at the point of attack, finally, after struggling the first two weeks. Is that run game for real? They finally got their first 100-yard rusher, on Johnson. He looked very shifty. Did you give him the Arian Foster comp? I thought it was him. Yeah. I thought that, was, that is a good comparison. I mean, he is going to be an efficient runner, I think, at the next level, whether it matters or not. But I just want to see if they stick with that style and you know try to establish the run against this Dallas defensive front. What do we have everybody doing here? You took Detroit. I took Detroit. Continuing I took it. Dallas. And you took Dallas. This could could be a sneaky good game here. Um, we already discussed this one. Let's go. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Geno Atkins versus the Atlanta Falcons guards because um, now now both guard spots are a potential problem. No, Andy Levitri. He's gone down hurt. Um, Geno Atkins leads all interior defenders with total pressure. I think he's up at nineteen. Um, He's going to get a ton of pressure, and that could be a major problem for that Atlanta passing game, which has been – it was pretty good last week against the Saints. It was very good. Um, but Geno Atkins is going to be in Matt Ryan's lap all day long. He is. I want to see the Bengals receivers now going up against whatever's left of the Falcons' back seven. <laughs> okay. With Deion Jones, with Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, all banged up because the Bengals now have the best group of playmakers they've had since that – that handy 2015 season that we always reference where that elevated Dalton's game. Dalton's playing some pretty good football. Had one of our big-time throws of the week. We have a healthy-ish Tyler Eifert out there making plays. We have Tyler Boyd. You have A.J. Green. You have John Ross, who's still disappointing and leading to interceptions. We had a big debate this week. He's running these bad routes, making Dalton look bad, but, man, he still has this big play potential in there somewhere. Does Tyler Eifert now top out at healthy-ish? Oh, yeah, I think that's the max. Yeah, that's like the ceiling is healthy-ish. Like if we put a PFF grade on his health, it would just like it could be a sixty-five, and that's it. That's as high as he's ever getting. Yeah. yeah, it's usually in the thirties, but if you get a sixty-five, it's pretty good. But anyway, it's no coincidence that Dalton's numbers and his performance just look better when yeah. when Eifert's healthy. It just completely changes the dynamic of that offense. Yeah, there's a group of quarterbacks in that middle tier that are almost entirely dependent on the situation around them. Yep. They're average guys who can be made to look great or bad, depending on how the guys around them are. Especially Dalton's a pretty accurate guy, and if you have guys that are open, he'll get it to him. So he's the epitome of the mid-tier guy that can be elevated. However, we're all taking Atlanta in this one. Hmm. People like Atlanta. They're at home. They're at home. That helps. All right. We already talked about a couple of these other games. Here we go. Bills at the Packers. My picks are off in this uh, spreadsheet here, Sam. Let me fix yeah. it. Yeah. So this past game, the Bills game was absurd. The, the Vikings upset. It was kind of nuts, but it's one of those games where two things happened. One, the Vikings turned the ball over just relentlessly and gave the Bills short fields to work with all day. Two, 
Buffalo had an absolute ton of pressure on Kirk Cousins, past the point where we say it's just not happening anymore, it's unsustainable, that team has no shot. Uh, Jerry Hughes in particular, I think at 12 total pressures, something like that in the game. What's going to happen when that doesn't happen? Because David Bakhtiari is going to shut down Jerry Hughes because David Bakhtiari shuts down everybody. So now you're relying, well, one, you're relying on somebody else getting pass rush pressure, and the Packers' offensive line is one of the best across the board when it comes to pass blocking. So then you just say, okay, well, now what can your defense do if it's not going to get that level of pressure? And I suspect the answer is not a whole amount. 13 for Hughes, 9 for Lorenzo Alexander. That's a ton of pressure. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in – I mean, I want to see Aaron Rodgers go up. I, I think the Bills' back seven, again, last year was good. Wasn't good early in the year, and I think they, they're, they're going to be better than people think because they got that bad first impression. So Rodgers against the Bills' secondary will be interesting. I'm more interested in Josh Allen in what could become more you know a less controlled game. He had the lead early last week, controlled game. He played a really, really nice game. What if he has to get into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers and he has to take – you know, a little bit more control of the offense. That's what I want to say. If he has to get in a shootout with Aaron Rodgers, the game is over. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's what I want to see. That's okay. what I'm interested in. Because I don't think Buffalo is going to shut down Green Bay's pass offense no. the way they did in Minnesota last week. Um, you would think we're all taking the Green Bay Packers, but Neil Hornsby, still a believer that the in the Buffalo Bills after last week's domination at Minnesota. Yeah, at Minnesota. apparently. I mean, that would be, if it turns out he's right on that, that would be a hell of a call. Yeah, it would be. A lot of people are yelling at him on Twitter, though, as we said. All right, next game, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Chicago Bears. Yeah, this is a kind of interesting game. The wheels almost fell off the Fitzmagic bandwagon this past week against the Steelers. It, they threatened to. It wobbled. The whole thing was pitching over on two wheels, almost collapsing. And then he dragged himself back, had a couple of big-time throws, almost brought them all the way back in that game. So... What happens? Do we still do we? Does the Fitzmagic train keep on rolling, or is it just coming apart now uh, no, against Khalil Mack and a really good Bears defense? No, that's a fair question. It should happen at some point, right? I mean, it has to happen at some point, right? If it if it was Play going, Jameis. I mean, it was that. The, Are you just assuming they're not playing Jameis? Yes, they haven't announced it, right? No, but you know they're not. Why? Because the Fitzmagic bandwagon kept on trucking. If because he, you, if know, you know collapsed. he's going to drop off. Just sell high. Sell high. No, you said now. Nah, you wait until it actually collapses before you jump off. That might be 12 interceptions on 13 passes. Okay, then that's you right off that one game. That's a whole game. You need that game. Well, They're 2-1. and one. They need that game. The alternative is you put Jameis in and you start losing games. I don't always like using points for points against their number three in points four at 102. Giving up 91. He That's made some four, insane passes most. in that game. Oh, of course he did. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Two He's or three, always had that in him. Two or three where he was getting drilled at the time and put the ball in a pretty tight window. That's always been Fitzpatrick. Though. He's always been able to do the special stuff. I want to see the Bucks pass rush trying to get after this Bears offensive line, though. The, number, the seventh worst pass rushing grade among teams versus the number two pass blocking grade for the Bears. And then, of course, Trubisky needs to do something yes. with that good pass protection. Where do we all go with this one, Sam? What do we got here? Uh, Chicago, except Renner and a couple of people at the end. Renner, Renner Gordon, Jeff Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe and Gordon. So a bit of a mixed bag here. You and I have got Chicago. We both took the Bears. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. NFC West matchup. Which offensive line is worse? The Arizona Cardinals or the Seattle Seahawks? They're number 31 and number 32 
in the PFF offensive line rankings. Ooh, big battle here. Josh Rosen is being thrown out for his first start behind the league's worst offensive line. Yeah, this could be tough. I mean, that's just – so the Houston Texans, we said they'd allowed 55 total pressures. The Arizona Cardinals have only allowed 51. But because of how many more times the Texans have been passing the ball than the Cardinals, it's actually a substantially worse rate of – uh, pass blocking ineptitude for the Cardinals. So they you know, uh, a pass blocking efficiency score. Good scores are in the 90s. Most teams are, are in the 80s and the 70s somewhere. If you're in the 60s, you suck. The Cardinals are at 59. I have never, ever seen a team be in the 50s before over any kind of extended period of time. And you're about to throw a rookie quarterback out behind that. And my thing on this is I like Rosen. I don't love him. I think guys like in this draft class, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, even maybe Josh Allen, could probably handle the bad pass rush a little bit better than Josh Rosen can. If Rosen can stand in there, he makes all the NFL throw, all that fun stuff, the pressure thing and outside of structure, I struggle with that with him. So we talked about you know if a quarterback has been under pressure, um, if it's more than 45%, he's in trouble. If it's up near 50 he's basically screwed. The Cardinals have had 97 passing plays and have given up 51 total pressures. Like that's just that's just horrible. Um, I, Poor Sam Bradford too. Yeah, yeah. I mean Bradford he can't function. But he was the he was the sacrificial lamb, right? Now you're throwing in the rookie who's basically just got no shot. Whatever yeah. happens, uh, that's what I want to see. Though I want to see Rosen, but I, I really don't think you learn. I don't know if you learn anything about Rosen this entire year. Well, that's what I'm saying. All right, you, you so. People talk about whether it's best to sit a quarterback or start him right from the get-go. And I think the answer now is probably you start him from the get-go unless there's a reason that putting him out there would actually do him harm. Uh, when your offensive line is going to surrender pressure at 50% of the time, you've reached the point where that's actually going to do him harm. Like, you can break a quarterback in the way they broke David Carr, in the way they broke Mark Bulger with the St. Louis Rams back in the day. You can break a quarterback if you pressure him relentlessly, particularly, I think, early in his career, and the Cardinals are about to give that a shot with Rosen. The funny thing is, Sam Bradford is also the poster boy for a guy that, if he because he gets rid of the ball so quickly, he could maybe protect the offensive line a little bit just by getting rid of it. Rosen's not really that guy, though. Rosen's not, you know, every now and again, but he'll, he'll hold the ball a little bit <laughs> so too So this long. is a really small sample size, but Bradford was under pressure 42% of the time, despite the fact that he can get rid of the ball and he can mitigate some of that. Rosen was under pressure 67% of the time. My goodness. And as I just said, 50 is a threshold of forget about it. It's not happening. That was against the Bears, though. That was against the Bears. Uh, You're blowing up. That's unprofessional. Yeah, is that a problem? Yeah. Okay. Please put your phone away. Thank you. At least silent it. We're all taking the Seahawks here. Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Hawks. That's who we're taking. Seattle Hawks? That's who we're taking. A few more games to get through. San Francisco 49ers. Rest in peace, Jimmy G. Forecast guys, they do a good job, Matt. They they take care of them. Yeah, it was, it was very good. Yeah, so they forecast. They had their uh, in memoriam for uh, Jimmy G mm. and his season. They'll be going uh, to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Yeah, with C.J. Beathard as their starting quarterback. I, honestly, I'm kind of, I, this isn't what I put down there as the thing that I want to look at. Um, what I actually put down there is the the Chargers guards going up against San Francisco's 52-3 techs. You know, the Chargers have very, very bad guards, and San Francisco is the one team that has three techniques all over the place to take advantage of that. But I'm kind of curious to see how C.J. Beathard does in year two. Like I say, he wasn't terrible 
when he was starting, he was way better than people thought he was going to be, given the per, uh, the perception of him as True. a prospect. True. So I'm kind of curious to see if he can develop. His first throw was great. It didn't. It got called incomplete, but it was in the end zone to Kittle, right, for a touchdown. That he was almost leading that comeback. But if you, it's another one. If you forget about the context of what like a legitimate franchise quarterback looks like next to this guy in contrast, right? If you just said this guy is a rookie quarterback in his first year, third round pick, he looked okay last season. Um, and then, you know, a, a season learn well, half a season, essentially learning behind the guy, um, developing in the best, one of the best systems in the NFL. I'm kind of curious to see if he can do something. Yeah. So that'll be worth watching. He might have time to throw against what, the Chargers have one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. Yeah, no Bosa, no pressure. Seventh worst pass rush in the NFL. Melvin Ingram, a 68.6 pass rush grade, slightly above average. He has 11 pressures. Number two in pressures on the team, Derwin James. Derwin. Derwin James, the best pass rusher in the draft last year. Derwin James, six pressures, two sacks, four hurries in that group. There are only 17 rushes. Can they get the pass rush going? Nobody else on the interior is doing anything. No other, you know, no replacement really for uh, for Bosa on the outside getting after it. Isaac Rochelle has three pressures on 82 rushes. He's yeah. rushing the passer the second most behind Melvin Ingram. So if the Chargers are going to live up to Mike Renner's Super Bowl hype, yeah. they got to get that going shortly. Are we all taking the Chargers still, though? Uh, yep. Yeah. Everybody. Did I fix the... Um, no. I got to fix the spreadsheet yeah. again here. Yeah, Saints at the Giants. Sam, what are you looking for? Uh, how many catches will Michael Thomas get this week? Fewer he's, than he's had. He's got 38 through three games, which is just a ridiculous number. The NFL record over season is 143. He's on pace for like 200 or something at this yeah, point. It's crazy. Um, and he actually has used the term. He's actually used that number. I think I can get to 200. 200? Yeah. Yeah, but 10, uh, 10 yards a pop, sure. Well, yeah, but that, I mean, that's still kind of impressive. It's still pretty good. 200 catches in a season. First outdoor game for the Saints, so that could slow their passing attack a little bit. Eli Manning quietly playing well. That's what I'm looking for. Number mm. nine grade in PFF. You also think he sucks, so. I don't think he sucks. Is he he's gonna, not good. Oh, 73.6 completion percentage so far this season, which is, uh, is that him? Am I reading that right? Yeah. Well, that helps when you're spending most of your time throwing it to Saquon Barkley for two yards. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. But he's still averaging 7.3 yards per attempt. So Eli's quietly playing pretty well. Can he keep it up against the Saints secondary that has been disastrous yeah. this season? Yeah, Marshall Lattimore hasn't been good. I know. Disappointing. What's everybody doing here? Oh, Neil went with the Giants, too. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Neil two spent upsets. this week picking upsets. Not just two. There's another crazy one in there as well. Is he trying to catch up? All right, so we're all taking the Saints except for Neil taking the Giants. Sunday night football, Baltimore Ravens at Pittsburgh Steelers. The Flacco Coaster headed to Pittsburgh. The Flacco Coaster heading to Pittsburgh, and Roethlisberger has got his own little roller coaster deal going as well. I don't really know what he is yet this season. He's been bad for games. He looked pretty good this past week, though I don't think as good as the the box score numbers against Tampa Bay. What what Roethlisberger are we going to get? So I think, here's what I think about Big Ben, and this is, I think I wrote it in my notes here. It's, it's not a skill set or talent issue. It's not like a, he hasn't fallen off the map. See some of those throws that he was making, though? Like the, the, the throw that sealed the deal for them, stepping up under pressure, just kind of flicking it. All the classic Big Ben plays are in there. There's just a whole bunch of bad decisions in there as well. Yeah, but he's always made bad decisions. 
think he's, he's just making had... he's making them at a higher rate. So Warner. that's why I just don't I I don't I'm not ready to write off Big Ben. No, the grade's not good, but it's one of those things that I think there's enough evidence that say the skill set's still there. He's got all the special plays in him. He'll cut back on the bad decisions to a point, and he'll be fine. But he still showed that he can go out and win a game. The other night, his, his stats were absolutely inflated, though. You have a 75-yard stiff arm from hell. You've got Antonio Brown taking a five-yard curl for a touchdown. The stats were – he yeah. got player of the week last week because of the stats that Antonio Brown and Vin, Vance McDonald earned. It's so absurd that people are that freaking lazy that it's just, oh, look, Roethlisberger had almost 400 yards. Does that grind your gears? It does. I think we're saving that for Monday, though. Yeah. So Sorry. let's just let, – well, yeah, grind my gears gun to Monday. Write that down. No, we'll, have a, we'll have, have a new thing on Monday. Don't we'll have worry. something new. But, but it grinds our gears, man, when you, just, when you just look at passing stats and don't properly allocate where they're coming from. It's outright laziness to say a quarterback threw for this total, therefore he's player yeah. of the week. It's like, look what happened. It involved one guy getting bitch slapped to the ground and stood on. That, that equaled a 75-yard touchdown. That, that for turned, Big what, 20, 15 into 75. Yeah, the throw didn't change the th- with the yeah, stiff arm. Nothing Ben Roethlisberger did. What Vance McDonald did to steal Chris Conti's soul turned a 20-yard catch into a 75-yard catch. Correct. And then all he did was throw a quick smoke screen to, um, to Antonio Brown, who makes two bucks defenders look ridiculous, and Roethlisberger is just sitting there watching it going, <laughs> saying, that's my stats, yeah, baby. Exactly. Touchdown. Just laughing at what that's doing to his stats. He also had a pass where Brent, are we allowed to say anything negative about Brent Grimes? Um, sure, as just long as you case. want to answer the email. You have to answer the email. Uh, Brent Grimes just ended up on the ground what half of his plays like that we he was saw. playing drunk he couldn't keep his feet it was bad there was a pass that big ben threw up that grimes was in position to pick off and it just fell over it just fell over yeah i mean that should have been a pick and it turns into a 30 plus yard you know completion to juju smith schuster so big ben had the special plays in there but a lot of the plays that led to his great stats last week were um not all that great yeah so i still think he's got plenty good in him i think he'll play better going forward but I also think that the story here with Pittsburgh, they're very similar to the Chiefs. And I know they played in Week 2 and played that Big 12 shootout. But they're very similar to the Chiefs because I don't trust the Steelers' defense against any good passing offense. But look at the playmakers that they're trotting out there. Because we just mentioned the Vance McDonald play. But when you have Antonio Brown, yeah. you have Juju, you have James Washington. I mean, Who's barely seeing targets but is doing well when he does. Yeah. yeah. But they've got guys to throw to. So they're going to be an exciting, crazy team to watch. We're all taking Pittsburgh here? Yep. Expecting the Flacco Coaster to hit rock bottom again. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, the explosive Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mahomes, et cetera, that's always fun to watch. But always. I'm kind of curious to see if D. Ford can keep this start to the season going. He's grading bizarrely well for a guy that has typically been useless in the past. Um, 17 total pressures. That's Pretty the same good. number as Demarcus Lawrence, who is you know among the league leaders. Um, they need it. Against you know a Denver offensive line that's actually solved their – problems like they're a pretty good unit again there's no liability at tackle anymore so can d ford still get pressure against a half decent unit uh, i'm just going to roll this what i want to watch right into our marquee matchup which is our final okay. segment because i want to see tyree kill against chris harris hill will move around the formation a little bit harris will play outside and in the slot tyree kill our boy mike renner posted all sorts of uh gifts mm. on twitter not gifs no. gifs yeah. we're sticking we're standing standing strong against that on Twitter, just showing some of his All-22 plays, they are spectacular. From the releases to just the speed that he plays at Tyreek Hill is awesome. So him against Chris Harris. Tyreek Hill is averaging 22.1 yards per catch right now. 
the number four graded receiver in PFF. Yeah, he is terrorizing defenses. If you can't get your hands on him at the line of scrimmage, you are in trouble. And getting your hands on him at the line of scrimmage is not easy. And when you miss, you're in even worse trouble than you are if you don't get anything on him. And, and Harris has been pretty much good against everybody yeah. Sands like one Antonio Brown game or two. Yes, and that Antonio Brown game would be the thing that would terrify you because kind right. of the same issue there. Oh, if you I, don't get a hand on him, you're in trouble. I think Hill could beat anybody yeah. right now. Um, my marquee matchup of the week is it's in jeopardy, actually, because of the injury report. DeMar Dotson, right tackle with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, goes up against Khalil Mack. Um, you know, general freak show, dominating everybody. Yeah. Dotson's a really good right tackle, though. He's allowed just three hurries. But he's on the injury report. I don't know how healthy he's going to be, assuming he does play. Um, but I hope he's at least somewhere close to 100% because that could be a really fun battle. Like, Mac, he is stoppable. You know, you can at least slow him down. You can limit the damage he does. And Dawson's the kind of guy that's good enough to do that. Mac will slow down a little bit. I mean, it's been like a strip sack well, in every too, game. Yeah. And so he has to slow down a little bit. That would be a great matchup to watch. So that's it. That's everything you guys need to watch this weekend. That's it. Week three, week four we're heading into. My goodness. Yes. Week four of the NFL. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, the only way to maximize your NFL experience is with your PFF Elite Package. We'll have all of the games graded at some point on Monday. They get finalized. You get all of your grades, all a part of PFF Elite. And, of course, you get your green line picks as part of that package as well. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back Monday with our week four review. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.